Hi, I'm Paul Jay. Welcome to the analysis.news. I'll be back in just a few seconds with Noam Chomsky and Daniel Ellsberg. Noam Chomsky and Daniel Ellsberg are great inspirations for me, and I know for millions around the world. Both in their 90s, they spent countless hours studying newspapers and books and writing and answering emails, all so they continue, can continue to better understand and change the world. There's no giving up in their DNA. Dan sent Noam and I a copy of an incredible handwritten letter from whistleblower Daniel Hale, sent to the judge at his trial for leaking classified documents that exposed the lies surrounding American drone warfare. Hale was sentenced to almost four years in prison. At his sentencing hearing, Hale told the judge, I am here because I stole something that was never mine to take, precious human life. I couldn't keep living in a world in which people pretend that things weren't happening that were. Please, Your Honor, forgive me for taking papers instead of human lives. Two Daniels, one leaked the Pentagon Papers and Daniel Hale, both exposed the lies of the American war machine. So, Dan, tell us about this letter from Hale, a little bit about the Hale case. Funny, when you mentioned two Daniels, um, I, it occurs to me that when I saw that amazing letter, stunning letter, uh, just the other day, actually, from uh, Daniel Hale to his judge at the sentencing. He said, forgive me, Your Honor, for taking paper, that is, documents showing our assassination program in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, instead of human lives, as he said. This is a person who had earlier been involved in taking human lives, participating in the process by helping identify from thousands of miles away on computer screens. Uh, targets for our drone program, and he revealed documents uh, that were classified and for which he's in prison now for revealing, showing that this supposedly very accurate uh, weapon of war without collateral damage, uh, very precise uh, hellfire missiles from our drones, was actually killing more than 17 untargeted people, non-combatants, for every targeted combatant that was identified. Uh, in other words, they, they went to other homes, there were people with them. Uh, they, were, they were murdering a lot of non-combatants, including the ones they were targeting to a considerable extent who were identified by very vague, broad notions. In fact, at one point, every male between 15 and 45 was regarded as an enemy combatant in that area body for the purpose of the body count. Well, having participated in that and spent sleepless nights over uh, having actually observed these people, uh, in effect from close up uh, on the screen, uh, in a way that pilots uh, at high altitude or zipping by at low altitude uh, never have the chance to see their victims. Uh, here you were seeing them in their everyday activities and then eventually marking them for death and actually seeing that death. So as he pointed out, that involved many of his ones with a kind of post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD, and in beyond that, a moral injury, a feeling of having uh, participated in something against 
their their values and what they were supposed to do uh, in ways that might mark their lives, shape their lives. He eventually felt he must expose this and try to change it. So at the, as I was saying at the very end of his letter, having described this change in his, uh, uh, to a point where he felt he must reveal these truths in hope of changing them. Uh, he, he says, forgive me, Your Honor, for taking paper. I, he was quoting, I, I probably consciously, another Daniel, Father Daniel Berrigan, who said at Catonsville uh, in, the, in court, uh, or I think at the time when they were burning draft board with homemade napalm and gasoline that they put uh, um, various solvents in to make it into napalm. Forgive us for burning paper in bit of children. So I think he was actually quoting that, and it shows the contagion of courage, of moral courage, in uh, response to moral injury and, and that of others, uh, that, that does allow for uh, the hope of change in the world. Daniel Hale is, has been for a long time a hero of mine since I first heard of what he'd done. He revealed a lot of uh, documents to intercept computers who printed these extensive documents showing our, our program of murder in this drone program. And uh, I admired him for that. But when I read this statement just the other day, I identified with him in a way that I, really only two other people I think of, uh, the Chelsea uh, Manning and Ed Snowden, who had gone through the same arc of experience that I had, as did Daniel Hale, the difference, say, from a Julian Assange, who was an, an enabler, a facilitator of whistleblowing as a publisher, uh, different background. Or my, my friend and hero, Noam Chomsky, uh, they had not been on the inside of this process, and they had gone through the same arc of change that I did with these two others. So I've long said that I identified more with Chelsea Manning and with Ed Snowden than with any other two people that I knew of on earth. And I now add to that, having read this amazing letter, which I urge everyone to read, uh, inspiring, uh, with uh, Daniel Hale as well. I identify with him in symbol and uh, in it seems funny to identify with a hero of mine, but it means uh, I identify with the best part of myself uh, and him. We share that, I think. And we went through this, this same experience. You know, uh, last thing I was looking for here earlier, a quote I found this the other day, uh, known from our friend Howard Zinn, close friend. And, um, you know, known often expresses a kind of optimism that I find hard to express, let's say to people, Noam does. And Daniel exemplified something that, that Howard was describing here in a way that now I can, I can share with Noam this kind of hope. The question is, how do you find hope in terms of what we've been discussing here in climate, nuclear, a changing, a going back to the old way of thinking, as Gorbachev was describing it, of armed adversaries uh, in the world, uh, trying to achieve their own security at the expense of others, ultimately their own 
I knew that Zen had often described hope, but here's a, a full quote, which I hadn't seen before. To be hopeful in bad times is based on the fact that human history is not only of cruelty, but also of compassion, sacrifice, courage, kindness. If we see only the worst, it destroys our capacity to do something. If we remember those times and places where people have behaved magnificently, that gives us the energy to act. And if we do act in however small a way, we don't have to wait for some grand utopian future. The future is an infinite succession of presents. And to live now as we think human beings should live, in defiance of all that is bad around us, is itself a marvelous victory. Well, it's young to realize that there exist young Americans like Daniel Hale, um, does give me that basis of hope, which Noam has so often referred to. No. Well, it is indeed, as Stan said, a stunning letter. I hope it gets to be widely read in many respects. But one is the, a demonstration of the kind of integrity and courage that Dan, a different Dan, Dan Ellsberg revealed when he opened the way to uh, exposing the lies and crimes of the state at a very grave personal cost that opened the way for others to do the same. This case is different. This is a man who went through self-torture as he began to try to come to terms with the crimes and atrocities that he himself was engaged in as a drone, part of the drone killing system. And uh, with eloquence and insight, he reveals this course that he went through and also exposes the ultimate horrors of this mass assassination campaign. Uh, it's part of a policy that began in the late 60s, recognition that there were people like Dan who were not going to tolerate it any longer. Recognition that the soldiers in the field were not going to fight this war. To the great credit of the American army, it collapsed. To its great credit, soldiers simply refused to fight. They turned on their officers instead, and went into drugs, some way to avoid the horrors of mass slaughter and destruction of civilian societies. The United States Army and government learned something that every imperial power had always understood. You cannot fight a colonial war with a civilian army. You can't, they're just not gonna accept it. You have to fight a colonial war with hired killers. Uh, one of the things that Hale mentions in this letter is that in the field, 
they were more so-called contractors than soldiers. That means mercenaries, people like the French Foreign Legion or the British Gurkhas. They understood the British and the French are predecessors and immediate predecessors in imperial violence, that you cannot fight a colonial war against a civilian society with young people that you just take off the streets and expect them to do it. But the best of them, like Hale, go through the internal torment that he went through to, uh, to end what he was doing uh, and to expose it to the world. Others, um, like the soldiers in the field, I said, just refused to fight. So now, uh, the, the U.S. way of war is finally to emulate the imperial predecessors in the field, hired killers, mercenaries, French Foreign Legion, South African killers, anybody you can round up. And then using modern technology to distance the public from the atrocities they're carrying out. Drone warfare is a way of insulating the public from our mass atrocities. Just imagine what it would be like to, if we were, suppose that, say, Iran uh, had the capacity to murder people who it considered to be a threat to them. That's what the drone warfare is. Somebody in Washington says, I think this person is a potential threat. Let's blow him away and anybody else who happens to be around him. Well, suppose Iran took that, adopted and was able to carry out that policy. Plenty of people they could assassinate, like practically the whole American political class. Media, uh, journalists, uh, editors, uh, Congress, all of whom pose a severe threat to Iran. Don't hide it. They talk all the time about how all options are open. Uh, Israel wants to assassinate nuclear scientists, about a dozen of them. Fine. We think that's a great, great achievement. Suppose Iran started to do that to us. Suppose we were living in communities where you don't know if one minute from now, a couple of guys across the street are going to get blown away by a drone you can't hear. You're living with that constantly. Well, that's the U.S. way of war. Imagine ourselves as the victims of it instead of the perpetrators. All of this is part of the same. The war is somewhere else. We don't have to worry about it. Well, Daniel Hill was one of those who said, yes, we do have to worry about it. He went through personal torment exposed it to the American population, suffered the punishment that honest people of integrity often do, sitting in a federal prison. He puts it with extreme eloquence and insight, and it should be read. And we're going to post that letter uh, on the website. So if you, if you come to this uh, story, uh, which headline will be about Daniel Hale, 
uh, go down to where you see the transcript section and we'll have the uh, whole letter of uh, hail to the judge. Uh, Dan, some, some final thoughts about this? Well, there's so many things that Dom raises. Let me mention, although I was tempted just now if you hadn't asked me to just and written all this eloquent statement. But I will say this, we have a phenomenon in the last few months, six months, that I don't know, doesn't it accept in the American precedents that Noam refers to of the movement inside the army to uh, veterans against the war, Vietnam veterans against the war, Russian soldiers sent into Ukraine, finding that all these people speak Russian or Ukrainian and do not welcome them with sweets and flowers, as we foolishly expected in Iraq and as the, apparently the intelligence services in uh, Moscow foolishly predicted to Putin that they would be welcomed in Ukraine. The soldiers were not even told they were going to Ukraine in the first place, and then were told these foolish tales that they would be welcomed as liberators, and it's not true. So they, many of them have been surrendering or coming out and saying, this is wrong, I can't do this. But that happened uh, with Nazi soldiers in World War II, I, I didn't hear of it. And uh, this is um, something where the Americans led the way with 5,000 young Americans like Randy Keeler and Bob Eaton and David Harris and others went to prison. Uh, to protest a war that was wrong. Many in the army actually were uh, uh, also refusing at that point. And that's happened uh, in the latest wars too in Iraq and people like uh, Mikhail and others Camilo uh, refused what they, were, what they were doing. So we have this strain in America that I said is a basis for hope about humanity. And uh, on the other side, it is so tempting to our leaders uh, to uh, send these forces abroad. To get, it's not a hypothetical, I, I think it's almost inevitable that what no one talks about is being imitated by other powers, some friendly to us and not. I think it'll be used even on our border, frankly, uh, and uh, by people who like Trump and others DeSantis uh, right now talk about closing the border to Mexican or other uh, Guatemala, other immigrants. Uh, there already are drones for surveillance in that period, better than a wall. And uh, will those not be armed eventually? I think that's uh, highly likely that we'll see this war, this assassinations brought home to our own borders, our own country, and even inside the borders in the city. So again, it's old way of thinking armed with a new technology. It's extremely tempting, which tempted Barack Obama to become what he called himself later, surprisingly good at killing, killing, and who assassinated an American citizen, Anwar al-Olaki, with a drone in Iraq because he didn't like what Olaki was saying which was calling for jihad indeed, but in terms that probably would have been upheld under the First Amendment uh, in this country. But he wanted him silenced, so he assassinated him with a drone on a target by order. And then for reasons that have never become clear, uh, 
assassinated his 16-year-old son. Again, an American citizen born in this country, killed without any due process, filed for a jury investigation uh, weeks later, looking for his father, actually, and presumably accompanying somebody. They were not otherwise clear why he was killed. Well, that's happened to so many. And it, it confronts Americans and others who use this technology with a face-to-face -face killing from thousands of miles away that otherwise was suffered only by killers on the ground, face-to-face. And they're not by Air Force people. Hale was in the Air Force, by the way, and they don't see it. Seeing that, um, is realized this is wrong. What I'm doing, what these other people are doing, are wrong, and I must tell the truth, which our leaders are determined to conceal from our people. And that's why he's in prison. That's why John Kiriakou went to prison. The one person in the CIA who went to prison in connection with the torture program by CIA, uh, clearly a criminal and illegal in every respect. And Jack Kiriakou exposed, rather inadvertently actually, the name of a torturer. So he had to go to prison and so forth. Uh, that's a tradition which uh, is changing. Uh, thanks, Noam. Thanks, Daniel. And thank you for joining us on the analysis.news. <laughs>